We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, friends. This is Kirk Henderson coming to you after a 127-117 victory over the Detroit Pistons. I'm joined. My returning co-host, Josh Bow. Josh, how are you? I am good, and as you can attest to, I'm a little tired, but that's okay. Um, well, you, you good sound be better, you sound yeah. great, and you look yeah. you look better than the Mavericks, but <laughs> just like the Mavericks, sometimes you need a win even when you're tired. Yes, uh, I guess before we get into it, I will say you have been really... I've really appreciated every time it's come up and you've just been like, oh, he's out for personal reasons because I'm pretty private about stuff online. But I will say I was out because I had a baby with me and my wife. Uh, she's healthy and we are good. And I am back from paternity leave. And the way I would describe it with like my privacy with this stuff, I can get a little crazy is if you guys have seen Parks and Rec and the episode where Ron Swanson just shows up in the office with the baby without telling anyone uh, <laughs> that that would be like that would be how i would roll with it but uh that, like that's how i would do it if i could but you know you you gotta you know it doesn't always work like that well but, i uh, want to circle back because <laughs> you did watch the mavs i as did often as possible i don't think i missed a game somehow i don't think you did either which was pretty <laughs> incredible and i, I want to circle back onto some big picture stuff later and I th- maybe we should get into it. We probably should have done a podcast like Monday or Tuesday, but I was tired, and so were you. That's just yeah. kind of the nature of this. But let's let's uh, let's go through this Detroit game first. Mm-hmm. So the Mavericks got off to their fairly typical, uh, at least over the last you know the last week. Pl- I don't know eight or nine games where they just look sloppy in the first quarter. They look disinterested. Their defense was bad. 
there wasn't a lot of communication and you know they did the really amazing thing where carlisle you know tried to he just did the carlisle thing where he said he was going to start he's like ah nothing's nothing's off the table and then he starts dwight powell in place of maxi god of um, all the starting lineup combinations <laughs> i thought he might tinker with that was not the one i thought i should have known <laughs> It's like, it's like, you know, you hear all these, like, Mar- it's like, oh, there's going to be somebody amazing on the next Marvel show, a really great cameo. And then it's like, like, who? Uh, nobody know who that was. It, it was just, it, you know, Dwight, Dwight's fine, but he's just, he, he is who he is at this point. And they put him on Jeremy Grant, who proceeded to go off, which was, you know, that was pre preordained. And, and then the Mavericks spent a better part of a quarter kind of getting themselves together. The third quarter, they really kicked the crap out of the Pistons. The fourth quarter, they did okay, and then what happened is what always happens, or at least what tends to happen, at least as far as I can remember, going back to like the late 90s, where the Mavericks give up enough of a lead to make it uncomfortable, and then they, they finally put the client, they, they put the Pistons away late. Yeah, and I think before, because I'm, I'm not going to lie, I mean, you've, you heard me in the Slack, I'm not, you know, Kirk, you would say I, I've been pretty level-headed about the Mavericks at least on our pods I know in Slack some you know that's where the real the heat flies sometimes now, but at least in the Slack we're... you have a tendency to say that they're going to win on games where you <laughs> crap kicked out of them that's I what know. you do <laughs> I do I do I ruin it but at least on here I think I've been pretty level-headed even when the Mavericks have been bad so like I'm trying to keep my head up uh, after sure. this game because really like like you said you you just have to win like after that Sacramento game like and you get two days off, like you just you have to win this. Like there's no excuse. If you lose this game, if basically you lose to two of the worst teams in the NBA back to back, with the most rest you're gonna get till the season ends. Like I, I, I don't even want to. That's dark places we would all be yeah. going to. Uh, so they had to win, and they did. And sometimes like this is kind of how. Like I don't want to say this is always how it goes, but you like to get the, off. The, the schneid so to speak sometimes it takes a win but you know usually you have to win like this it's not always perfect how you imagine in your head you want to see the team fired up and pissed off and you want to see them win by you don't want to see them win the f- first quarter by 15 points well when you're playing bad sometimes you just kind of have to ugly you know play through it and, and just find a way to win and that's usually how these losing skids snap and that's kind of what happened tonight so that's okay uh yep. so you know good for the mavs but man having said that that first quarter was awfully dispiriting, man. Like that was a, I was very dejected uh, watching the Mavericks play that first quarter. That was that was a rough way to start the game. I think we've been having some kind of ongoing discussions about the Mavericks defense, and I just yeah. don't know who they are because a lot of what they're doing right now is getting beat on single dribble moves paired with Porzingis being late to the late frequently enough to where I start to question his bona fides. Like this is a guy who used to be able to move. And for the last five or six games, he's looked like the guy that I criticized in early February. Um, I, I just don't understand it, but you know, when, when your superstars combined for 49 points, 17 rebounds and 13 assists, that was sort of that was just enough to kind of get them over over the hump. What what's been crushing Dallas the last several weeks? Uh, I mean, probably you know, I guess eight nine games is that Hardaway has been real bad. Um, uh, Richardson continues his his season of being bad, and then Brunson just wasn't quite the superstar that he had been for a, a, a pretty good streak. 
Yeah, you said it was kind of like a regression. Just a slight regression. And, and, you know, then again, and it, it, it just wasn't enough. Like, the Mavericks can't sustain – if they only have, you know, four real players and then they're kind of plug-and-play plug and with, with whoever the fifth guy is on the floor at any real time, they just can't sustain, like, six guys having an off night. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sort of what's happened because their three-point shooting has been really down. They're still terrible on wide-open shots. And this is just one of these games where – they did just enough, and I think that it's best that everybody kind of walk away and really not overthink it. I mean, I want to criticize the defense. I want to ask what in the world Richardson is doing playing this much because he's – he, I mean, again, single game plus minus. We understand, guys. Don't yell at me too much. But he was the worst guy on the team with plus minus, negative 14 in 28 minutes, had some horrendous fouls. And then on on shooting, I, I pointed this out in the middle of the game. Uh, he is, if you back out the Utah game where he went five for five, he is shooting exactly 30% from three on the year. 60, 66 for 220. That is bad. He's getting better shots than he's ever gotten before. Uh, his life, Bas- probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> DallasBasketball.com, I think his name's Grant. I'll have to go look him up. Um, wrote an article today just like kind of questioning the, the trade. and and. We have enough data now. Like Richardson can't play. Richardson can't come back next year. He he has been awful. Like mm-hmm. it's it's there's no other way around it. It's wild. Yeah, it's even if you were down on him, like I know, you know, we talked to Sixers people, uh, and we've talked, you know, we talked to Miami people, and I, I know Tim Cato had that article where he talked to his uh 76ers counterpart at the athletic and he kind of mentioned how like, you know, it wasn't just the 76ers cramp spacing. There was some hesitancy in his shot. And there was, you know, there were some things that were off about him last year in Philly as kind of a red flag. And, you know, even if you considered all of that, I, I'm still stunned at his, his three point shooting. It's just outrageously bad. Like you just look at his, just go to basketball reference and, and look at his career three point shooting by season. And it's just outrageous the season compared to everything else. Like, even at his worst, I think his worst before this season was 34%. If he was shooting 34% on threes this year, I mean, that's still not great considering you're going to be playing next to Luka. But that, I mean, that changes almost enti- almost how we look at him entirely. Like, it's it's pretty wild uh, how much his three-point shooting has gone down. But, yeah, I know you said you don't want to try to lean on the things we want to criticize too much because, you know, the Mavericks needed to get this win. Yeah, I will say, just before, before we move off that, I have to talk about the first quarter. Sure, please do because the, um, the first piston, quarter has mattered. This yeah, season. the the Pistons shot sixty four percent. They scored thirty six points, and mind you, the Pistons are a very bad team. Uh, they are not trying to win basketball games. I believe they are tied for the worst record in the NBA with the Timberwolves. That might be. I can't remember if they're the worst team now, uh, but at least last I looked the other day, they were you know eight you know they only had eighteen wins. They're very bad. And and it's not like a like the Kings are bad too, but at least the Kings have like guys. They're just kind of like a mismanaged team. Like the Kings have like Darren Fox is good and Buddy Heald can shoot threes and and Halliburton's great and you know Harrison Barnes is not horrible. Like the Kings' loss was bad, but like I kind of saw it and it, like it made it like there there was logic to it because there are guys on that roster where you're like oh they can cause problems on on the right night. The D- Detroit does not have a lot of like almost any of those guys besides Grant. Um, so for them to shoot 64% in the first quarter, uh, they only made, and this is the thing, they only made four threes, Kirk, which is probably a lot for them, but it's not like it was, 
a crazy, you know, it's not like one of those, oh man, well, what are you going to do? They're just bombing away. They're hitting all these crazy shots from deep. They got to the rim at will. They forced the Mavericks into a zone defense in the first half. And even after the zone, they were still getting to the rim. And that's the part, like everything else, you know, I'm glad the Mavericks recovered. Obviously Detroit was probably not going to keep it up because they were just playing way over their head. But it wasn't like fluky three-point shooting that got the Mavericks in the early hole. They were getting destroyed uh, with no action, just straight line drive, uh, you know, dribble dribble drives from the top of the key, you know, at the three-point line. And that that's the part that scared me. I'm glad they cleaned it up, but like considering they had two days off, they had yeah. a, a full practice, the way they opened that game, like that's – you know, I don't want to, I'll stop harping on it too much, Kirk, but that was just really, really, really disappointing. Well, you can't give the Detroit Pistons 31 free throws. Yeah. It, this is where uh, Iztok uh, posted something on his Twitter feed today about like, if you look at free throw rate for the opposing team during these losing streaks, the Mavericks just get incredibly sloppy. And I murk KP the most because it's kind of the the thing that drives me the most crazy. But if you're going to foul a guy, get your money's worth. Stop like the and ones that Dallas allows sometimes are just mm-hmm. mind boggling. Like who can, you know, get, get the occasional flagrant one because half the time those are not on purpose anyways. It's the, the things that the, just the, the soft fouling sort of drives me nuts. But what I don't understand is, is Dallas plays a conservative scheme and yeah. still get their ass whipped on the yes. way to the rim? Like, how? What's an aggressive scheme look like if 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 they're doing more different things in terms of funneling guys? Because everybody beats every single Maverick off the dribble. Yes, yes, and it was it it was wild, like. <laughs> Kirk, the key, the Pistons finished this game shooting 50% from the floor and 40% from three. The Pist, like this team is yeah. 18 and 41. Like they scored 117 points. Like uh, the Mavericks won, like a lot of what, how the Mavericks won this game. Like, I don't necessarily think it was because like they cleaned things up from the, from the, the losing stretch. They just ran into a team that was just so bad that they couldn't, fully capitalize on the way the Mavericks are playing right now. And and thankfully, you know, Brunson and Hardaway kind of came back to life. And when those two guys have good games, the Mavericks usually win. So, uh, you know, good on the Mavericks for, for getting back into it. And they at least <laughs> in the third quarter they play with something. But, yeah, I don't know. I have to read this to you. So, as the listeners of our podcast know, like our friends at Locked on Mavs wait to hear what the Mavericks have to say, listen to the postgame audio, and then do their show. We're both old and we don't care. Like, it's a little bit of column A, column B. Like, I don't like what the Mavericks say. It's just, it's, it's kind of funneling, whatever. But every now and again, Carlisle says something that's just so laugh out loud funny. We got to read it on the show. Rick Carlisle on switching Dwight Powell for Maxi Kleba as a starter. I just thought it was the changeup that we needed. Going forward, we'll see. There's going to be some fluidity with the lineup based on matchups. Well, Okay, fine. But what about that first quarter would be what you needed? You got beat by the Pistons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, love, uh, I love Carlisle quotes. It's, I know. It's, it's just my favorite. He's such a – I think that the, the fans that are, like, tired of him don't understand how good of a politician he is. He says nothing while saying a ton. It's amazing. Yes. He knows exactly what he's doing when he's talking to the media. 
he very he's very very careful with his word choice um but getting back to <laughs> yeah the defense was just not great and like i said i mean when you're playing a zone against one of the worst teams in the nba and they're still getting to the rim like you got to do a little bit of soul searching uh but i'm glad they won and i think i said this on twitter I mean, the main differences in the game is Detroit had 13 turnovers, which is not a lot in today's NBA. That's actually a pretty clean game, all things considered, especially when you consider how bad of a team they are. Mavs had just six. Uh, that's the game to me. Uh, the Mavericks, when you're when the Mavericks, when you have a team that has such a talent advantage like the Mavs did over the Pistons, and you just don't give away the ball, and you don't give away possessions, and you don't kind of fuel the other team into, into getting easy buckets, you know, through turnover, live ball turnovers. It's very hard to get upset. Even when you're playing like as, you know, I'm just as passive and, and bad defense as the Mavericks were playing for most of the night. Uh, they just didn't allow the game to get into necessarily a rock fight with Detroit junking up the game and holding on to the ball that much, uh, creating those extra possessions for themselves to score, taking away potential extra possessions for Detroit to get easy baskets. I think that was the key because, like, imagine this game. I mean, they only they won by ten, and Detroit shot the ball so well. Imagine if the Mavericks turned it over twelve times, like doubled it. Like, yep. might be talking about a different game. So, I think that was really that was why they won. I think. No, well, I'm pleased that they won because now we can turn our <laughs> attention to two Lakers games, which are bound to upset us in some yes. way, shape, or form. Anthony um, Davis fulfilling your prophecy. Yeah, I can't. I mean, it just felt. I'm glad. Like, you know, obviously, I'd like to see LeBron James play, but for the Mavericks' chances of winning. I am not unhappy that he's not playing, uh, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, AD coming back is very frustrating, but he'd been out. He, I saw a tweet today where he's been out almost as long as the entire off season before what the Lakers had. So that's oh. pretty wild. It was like, like nine and a half weeks compared to 10 weeks, you know, from like start, start to finish, which is just kind of nuts to see on paper. But um, yeah. Well, before we before we kind of call it a day, I want to hear you know any or are there you know, obviously we don't want to give away content because you seem to have been like racking up different things you would like to kind of analyze in the Mavs uh, as you're as you were on leave. But is there anything like from big picture stuff that you would like to to talk about before we before we head out for the evening? Yeah, I guess it's kind of funny. My my time off has basically coincided with the team looking very poorly. <laughs> um, so that's been kind of a bummer. Um, the defense is just, I don't know. The defense is really worrisome. Um, like you said, everyone is getting beat off the dribble with not really complex actions. And then when you combine mm-hmm. that with, you know, Chris Stops, you know, maybe not being all the way there defensively as well. And maybe him slack, like it's just a recipe for, for disaster because, and because even, even if Kristaps was a hundred percent on point, these last seven games, the Mavericks defense would still be in trouble because you cannot leave your rim protector out to dry as much as the Mavs have basically done in the, in the last seven, seven or eight games. Um, so that's not good. Um, the thing I'm curious about uh, big picture is kind of what are they going to do with the starting lineup? Because it's funny, they that the starting the normal starting lineup and Rick usually you know remember last season he was toying with the lineup a bunch and when you think yep. about it he has not done it this season. Uh, the Mavericks have basically before tonight have only messed with the starting lineup because they got their guys back. Like you know Kristaps didn't start the season, then he came back. Then the guys get went out with COVID. I think when this roster has been 100% healthy, 
he has rolled with the 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 Luca Richardson, uh, Finney Smith, Maxi Kristaps lineup, and they're really he really hasn't budget off of it. So I'm curious if tonight's change allows him is going to open up some flexibility for him to do some things going forward. But like we said, you know, when the lineup overall is very successful uh, if you look at it from from when they started the lineup till now. But these last seven games, the defensive numbers on it have been really, really poor. I think they're still slightly positive offensive with the, with the, with the offense. Uh, but the defense, it's like it's like 120 plus points per 100 possessions with the starting lineup in the last seven or eight games. So that's not good. So I'm just curious if things change. Uh, I don't know how much we need to see Brunson and Hardaway come into a game and, and change the game and change the way a game is going and and get the Mavericks back on track for them to maybe start one of them. Uh, it feels like that's the way this thing is headed, but I don't know. I just don't see him benching Richardson just partly because of, if you want to get into to the, the back backdoor politics about it, you know, with Richardson having the same agent as Luca and, and all that, but right. Like, doesn't it make, wouldn't it make sense? Like when you're looking at this team and you're seeing what Richardson's just not giving you on offense, like, and you see what Hardaway, well, you know, he kind of had the slump, but you see Hardaway and Brunson, what they've done all season. But for the most part, you just think you swap Richardson, you put in Brunson or you put in Hardaway and you think that these first quarter terrible starts go away just simply from the fact that they should be able to outscore people uh, in the first quarter. But I, I don't know. Otherwise, big picture wise, the thing I keep looking at, and I think I told you about this, in, you know, I always mention it in Slack is Kristaps' uh, free throw attempts. He had six tonight, which is a lot yep. for him this season. Uh, I think I'm going to write about this. Uh, hopefully, get it out on the site by next early next week. But you know, the reason I think people are frustrated with his offense, despite the fact that almost all of his shooting numbers across the board are higher than what they were last season, and he's got a career high true shooting percentage, it's the fact that his offense is all jumper. Um, he does not take a lot of non jumper non jump shots. Uh, he's very good when he's at the rim this season, but he just, he's a almost a pure jump shooter and it reflects in his free throw rate. And you look at the data and you look at the tracking uh, stats and you look at how many jump shots he's taking compared to shots at the rim and things like that. And it's, and I think that's what's fueling that, that feeling when people might be disappointed with his offense, because when, if your offense is just, all jump shots, you know, even the best, you're going to have some cold nights. And I think that's why it feels like he's either got, he's got it going or he's having like a really rough night. Cause I don't think he's good. I don't think he's a good enough jump shooter to have an offensive uh, diet composed almost entirely of jump shots. Um, and so he, they got to find a way to get him more shots at the rim. They got to find a way to get him more free throw attempts got to find a way to get him moving with the ball toward the basket which i think has perked up a little bit in the last week or so uh so we'll see i think that's something definitely to watch like in the playoffs i'm they cannot expect to to make a deep run in the playoffs if he is shooting two or three free throws a game like they desperately need someone else uh to kind of make some off get some easy efficient shots besides brunson who you know we'll have to see how he can play in the playoffs uh, as well yeah, I mean Some the KP stuff is is sort of where I've lived for a month because <laughs> yeah. you get these you you look at like the specific things and with post ups he's frankly performing much better on post ups than he did last year. The Mavericks' offense out of his post ups are is the points per possession are pretty darn good. 
and uh, somebody, his name's Jim, uh, a guy I've been talking with on Twitter who who is sharing lots of KP data with me, essentially is saying it's just like why you know why don't the Mavericks go to this more? And I I just can't help but wonder it, when they get KP the ball in those situations, they need to either get it to him quickly or not at all. And unfortunately, what happens to and what my eye test is telling me. They get him the ball or they pass it to him kind of at the tail end of the opportunity yes. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. They throw bad passes. And that stuff's not on KP. But it's like nope. he might have a three-second window where where the ball should needs to go to him, and they get it to him on second three. And that stuff is driving me crazy. He, in general, drives me nuts. But he makes some points in terms of his complaints. And I don't know, like, Luca takes the brunt of it, but it's really not a Luca thing solely. It is the rest of the team, too. Like, an NBA high-low pass from the logo to Luca on the block, like, that just doesn't happen that much. The the entry passes to Luca should happen more from the wing. And Brunson, Richardson, Hardaway, none of those guys have any idea how to throw an entry pass. And so, like, there's just these little things that gunk up the Mavericks' offense a little bit because there needs to be a middle ground between making KP feel involved and making KP feel special, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. Like, it's – you kind of hit the nail on the head where, obviously, when they kind of grind down their possessions to try to find him or or to try to highlight and feature him and they get away from their offense – that's not good uh, in the long run. But when they're running their offense and in the flow of it and these situations pop up, you have to take like you have to take advantage of it. You just have to. Like like there's there's no ifs ands or buts about it. Like that's why you're paying him. You know, you just can't go these long stretches where he, you know, there it would be one thing if it was like hey, we're force feeding you the ball and it's not working, but these stretches where, you know, he actually, you know, does roll into the basket or he does get a good uh you know clear and in, in, in near the rim and, and gets a good uh uh positioning near the basket and they and they don't take advantage of it like that's just like they just have to do better and i'm sure it's it's very identifiable on the tape but like you said these guys just not can't seem to throw entry passes so yeah uh that's something to definitely watch for and one more thing kirk that i'm watching for that's big picture is dorian finney smith and the three-point shooting uh, he is shooting. Uh, he's shooting six point six attempts per game in April. He's shooting forty two point four percent on those threes, uh, and it's it's kind of nice. I think Kirk, you've said it a bunch. Like you want to be at your best at the end of the season, and, yep. and that's kind of what is trending for him, at least offensively. Uh, defensively, that's another conversation. <laughs> I don't want to. Well, if he's going to suck on defense, he can at least hit shots hit on shots. offense. Yes, but well, as we've as we've seen, these good teams are putting their centers on Finney Smith, uh, and they're kind of treating him like Tony Allen, uh, like uh, the Warriors did in the playoffs, you know, years back. So for the Mavericks to be successful, like, it's so wild to think about that the Mavericks' playoff success is like in the hands of Finney Smith because he basically teams are going to dare him to shoot as many threes as possible, uh, and he's going to have to take and make them. Like there's. When a team ignores a, a player on the floor that much, you know, if he gets the ball and he hesitates uh, and he doesn't shoot or if he passes it back, like you just – the defense won and the possession's blown up. Like 
So we'll just see if that can continue. He's doing a great job of it this month. And yep. that's just something to watch for. Like, keep an eye on that and see what happens in the playoffs. Well, Josh, I missed you. I'm glad you're back. I missed you too. Um, so just so everybody knows in the podcast, I've been doing, obviously everyone who's listening this far has been, you know, listening to our podcast regularly. I've been doing these locker rooms. If it comes to, when it comes to, to Android, Josh will be joining. (laughs) We need to, but in the short term, we're still kind of figuring out our, and I hate to say this out loud because it sounds ridiculous, but we're kind of figuring out our content strategy because I like doing the locker rooms. Um, it's more productive than me, like tweeting stuff. Uh, it's, it's a little more fun and more engaging with our community, but I know I've gotten a fair amount of feedback that it's definitely not for everyone. So depending on what we do, I'm going to kind of, Josh and I will be podcasting as frequently as we can. Um, once the world opens back up for real, he and I will still probably podcast because we're parents and we don't do anything. Um, but (laughs) as far as, you know, the locker room stuff, I'm going to, figure out when it's appropriate to post it because i don't know about you guys but in terms of like audio options you have a lot and nothing (laughs) drives me more crazy than when i'm you know i'm subscribed to a feed and somebody puts out a two-hour podcast i'm like you're you're essentially asking for one twelfth of my day like get over yourself so when i've been stretching (laughs) like the other night i did an hour and 20 minute podcast i didn't actually expect anyone to listen to it i just wanted the people in in the locker room they have the ability to come up and hang out and talk because i think it builds community and you know as i found out from this more like lots and lots of people watch mavericks games and have no one in their real lives that they actually that actually like basketball even like dallas people oh Um, yeah and so it's it's been kind of nice like getting to know and talk to people about, about hoops a little bit but I have to figure out like what's the fine line between overloading people with stuff because you know I don't want us to like turn off listeners because they're like oh they're just putting out crap. So we're <laughs> we're still in the process of figuring this out. Josh and I will eventually figure it out, but maybe not you know this season. So yeah. I appreciate everybody bearing with us. Um, <laughs> I've I've really gotten a kick out of the 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 reviews on iTunes. If you guys could continue to do that sort of thing, even if it. You know, you got to leave a written review, but just go and, you know, give a star rating. That sort of stuff matters. We get like 65% of our audience comes comes through uh, iTunes still, which is wild to me. But eventually, I think things will start to grow on Spotify just because that's kind of a dominant platform. But um, before we get on out of here, uh, uh, Josh, do you have any anything else? No, just uh, in terms of like the locker room stuff, that decision kind of made, is made for us because, I, like you said, I have an Android phone, so I won't right. be able to to hop onto those. So we'll figure out how to like keep those going despite the fact that I won't be able to participate until, until they decide to make an app for the most popular uh, mobile OS in the world. Which they will because they were bought by Spotify. Like this is happening sooner rather than later. Yeah, they will. I'm just being, I'm just being flipped. Uh, so, but we'll see. Well, yeah, we're, I'm going to try to get back uh, in the saddle and, and write some things. Uh, I've basically got, uh, if you're listening to this, you probably sent me a tweet or a direct message about why the Mavericks piss you off. Uh, mm. and I really do want to write that story because the response, I was kind of blown away by the responses I got, like just the amount. And then some of them made me <laughs> laugh. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it's kind of, I don't know. It's just good. Cause I mean, Kirk, you know, we've both been very, very online this season. And I think we've seen people are, people are pretty mad and I'm not necessarily trying to discount their anger. Like I'm not saying yeah. it's not legitimate and it doesn't deserve like, you know, some of it goes a little overboard, but uh, 
some of it is, you know, legit. And I think there's some interesting, I think there's interesting reasons why people are mad. It's not like, I don't think a lot of it is aimless. Like people, people have some legitimate feelings about this team and, and uh, I don't want to discount them. And I kind of want to write this story. Like, just just kind of letting people know like why this is happening because it's just been interesting to me like people get really mad when this team loses games sometimes and i kind of just wanted to know why like i have my own personal reasons because i've been there i get mad online uh uh, plenty of times so i just was curious what everyone else thought and it's been it's been fun to see the variety of responses so i will try to i'm currently curating all of those and i will i will write a story hopefully for next week well, with that in mind, uh, I forgot to actually say this. So tomorrow night for the Lakers podcast, I'm going to do or the Lakers post game podcast with with I'm going to do one with Harrison Fagan, who is in charge of Silver Screen and Roll. He's an old friend mm-hmm. of mine, uh, and maybe Josh will have something to write about then. But mm-hmm. he and I will be back probably Saturday night with the Lakers game, uh, and and we'll hang out then. So Josh, this has been great. Thanks as always. Yeah, it's good to be back. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Have a good day. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy. Coming to you after the Mavericks outlasted the Pistons in a rather wild offensive display from both teams. Dallas beat the Pistons 127 to 117. If you're listening to this on a podcast, then you already know that Josh Bow has returned from his leave of absence, and if you are listening to this live, he actually uh, was taking a leave of absence because he had his first child. I wanted to give him the opportunity to say that. But now that we're here, we're hanging out. It's a little later than normal. Still trying to figure out our post, uh, our, our back to normal podcast schedule because this all came up right, uh, locker room all came up right as he was uh, going on leave, so ended up working out well. Um, it's a little later than I wanted it to be. I apologize for that, but that might be the new normal, depending on when we do these. Um, if you guys want to come hang out and talk about the game a little bit, let's do so because, uh, I don't really know what to say about this one. So coming up first, uh, he asked to join almost immediately. Sam. What's up, Kirk? Oh, it's, uh, you know, Man, was... win is good, but you know, not a lot of inspiration yeah, it's just the Pistons, you know, last like one of the worst teams in the NBA. They're trying to tank for Kid Cunningham. Can't blame them. But uh, I don't really know what to take away from that game past I'm really glad they didn't lose. Well, one thing I'm glad about is that Rick made a change at the starting lineup. It was kind of exciting. Was it exciting, though? Because Dwight, Dwight Powell, if Dwight Powell is the answer, then the question is... No, because I think Dwight Powell, like, he's more, he's athletic. You know, he he can do more stuff. The thing, the problem is Maxi can shoot. I think Rick wanted him on the floor so they could run a five out. And but now, I mean, Dwight Powell is is a better is really good at setting screens. Yes, he's a pretty nice lob threat too. 
So that's okay, I like this take. I like this thought because I was not super high on it. I think the offense was at least a little more fluid than it's been in certain games. But the flip side of that was Dwight Powell guarding Jeremy Grant, which went interesting. <laughs> I don't really know what to say. Yeah, it was, it's the Pistons. I mean, and then did you also see uh, how Perzingis and Willie Collie Stein all got fouled out? I mean, that's just – and Mason Plumley. These yeah. refs were soft, man. They're just – they're soft. Yeah, there's a lot of weird – you know, there's a lot of, like, no calls paired with very obvious, like, touch foul calls. Luca getting uh, – I'm really glad Luca didn't – Oh, yeah, on the lob? I was – I mm-hmm. thought he got hurt. I thought he got, mm-hmm. like, a almost like a Gordon Hayward-type injury. Well, if he would have gotten hurt and there wouldn't have been a call, Mark Cuban would have lost his mind. It, and he, he would have been right to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, well, what? So past the start, what what were your other, um, you know, more interesting takeaways from this game that 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 you'd like to kind of? Jalen Brunson, how he he is literally a point guard that plays like a big man. He doesn't shoot threes, and I'm he's not that good at shooting threes. But if he's in the paint, I swear there was one possession at the end of the game. He was just going in circles and circles and circles, and just finally got like a pass to Willie Cauley Stein for and one. I mean, he just po- he just run- spins around in the whole paint. He was a couple of easily missed, like he was mad at himself layup attempts away from being ten of twelve from the floor. <laughs> he he's, was like he's such a nice finisher. Like I just yeah. like how he can. He's like a he's kind of bulky too for like a point guard. You know, he's put on. If you go look at pictures of him from two years ago, he's a lot thicker through the shoulders. He looks like uh, he honestly looks like an NFL running back at times. I know that's what I was thinking too. Like he's built like a running back. Yeah, yeah, and he plays like a running back too sometimes, and and that can be both good it's and fun. bad. Tonight it was really excellent because it's it's fun it, to watch too. It's fun. Oh right, because he's a left-handed guy, and then he goes left, and then he keeps going left, and the and like defenders seem seem to not understand that he's going to go left. Like it, I I really I really enjoy watching him when he's in his bag. I don't. I don't see players do that. Just uh, he's he's kind of has his own different play style. He's a six three point guard that plays like a big. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him in person. He is not six three. He's about six one. Oh um, yeah, I mean, my, my bad. Six one. My, my bad. My <laughs> no, bad. that's impressive. It's, uh, it's, you're exactly right. No, it's it's like I just with the players. I always assume the point guard is always six three. I don't sure. know why. No, because shorter guys in the NBA don't don't really do that well. But he just he uses his strength and kind of his leverage paired with his. He's got very interesting touch around like eight to ten feet. I don't know about you, but whenever he takes like these ten foot jumpers, I get mad. But then they go in. They, they go like, in. Shoots... It's such a high arc shot too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then if it's at the three point line, he doesn't make it unless he's in the corner. <laughs> And that's okay. That's okay because the, he's extended his range a little bit every year. I remember his rookie year, his three-point percentage went up month to month. So there were, there's a lot. He's still he's still building on his game. I, I, that, that year, the Mavs drafted pretty well with getting Luka and Jalen in the second round. That, that was a steal. I mean, I would argue Brunson's probably their third to fourth best draft pick since 2000. I mean, it's been a while. I mean, he's important. I mean, are we going to count the Dirk trade and like all that? Well, Dirk stuff? was ninety. Dirk was ninety eight. So that's why I said since two thousand. Oh, yeah, so I'm it's up, like up. it was oh like Josh God. Howard, Devin Harris, him and Luca. Like it's it's kind of in the mix, you know. 
So, well, I appreciate you coming up. You got anything else before I bring on some more people? Um, I was gonna mention that. Uh, I forgot what was that? What was it about? Uh, okay. I I got nothing. I got nothing. All right, appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming up. I'll see ya. All right, coming up next, friend of the program, Dalton Trigg, who is uh, up late in Mississippi. What's up, buddy? Dalton, you can't, you can't not have audio. There we go. I'm there we go. You. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Kirk? How I'm you well doing? now. I'm well. So Josh came back. He and I talked for like the first time in a month on a podcast, and that was that was nice. And now I'm hopping on talking to you. <laughs> well, uh, you know, a win is a win. Uh, I mean. I definitely feel good that they won that game, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not really happy how they won it, giving up 117 points to the worst team in the league. But, you know, it is what it is. As bad as they've been lately, any win was going to be like a palate cleanser. So uh, we'll see how they do tomorrow night against the Lakers. But, hey, look, one thing I wanted to point out to you, and I, I, I kind of vaguely mentioned it during the game, but I had I didn't actually look at the stats when I told you this, but, I, I, I kind of made the remark that Willie Collystein <laughs> is the X factor for this team. Okay. Uh, and, you know, he, he came back and, I mean, yeah, he's chaotic and he makes some dumb plays every now and then. But overall, he's been a positive impact player from like an advanced stats perspective. And tonight was like the <laughs> it, it really showcased that because in 13 minutes, he had an, off- an individual offensive rating of 120.8, sure. uh, individual defensive rating of 73.1, so that is a net rating of 47.8 in 13 minutes. And it showed on the court because they increased their lead in that time. And then, you know, once KP came back in, I mean, he, you know, he, he didn't have a terrible game. Uh, but, you know, it just seems like uh, the advanced stats just don't favor KP as much as they do you know, other players. So, well, the, the, what I'm hearing from you is that Willie Colley sign is, is 2018 Dwight Powell, uh, who was a, yeah. a advanced stats super freak, which is why the Mavericks have, have really hung on to him for this long, even though no one seems to really like him, but I, I like, he did, you know, he did well in limited minutes in the first half. I thought Luca was going to kill him because Luca kept serving him <laughs> and he just wouldn't do anything with the ball. But you know, there are benefits to being, you know, winning the genetic lottery, being seven foot one and, and just being nimble as all get out. I mean, there, he, he, you know, I know Nerlens Noel got the, the, the Tyson Chandler starter kit thing from fish like a hundred years ago, but I really like, like, like Willie Colley Stein when he's like playing at his peak, get, like he's just got that frame, that build. He does some interesting things like that. And one that he got to kind of really help seal the game just showed like the sort of level of, athleticism to even get the shot off i just i wish he was a little i just wish he played with more force well it's not just that but you know his lateral movement is so much better than kp's like the the defense overall just seems to play better with him on the court because he's not you know guys can't get by him super easily well you know bigger guys can overpower him but uh as far as like getting by him he's pretty quick his lateral movement is pretty good and uh, I'm glad to have him back because he had basically taken all of Dwight Powell's minutes before he uh, was out with the NBA uh, COVID yeah. protocol stuff. And so now he's just kind of getting his conditioning back and 
it's good to have him back. I'm, I'm glad to see him have some, have some success, and I think he can make a difference come playoff time. I'm glad to have him back in the sense, if you look at the box score, the Mavericks actually played 10 dudes, which that has not been a regular right. in a while. <laughs> so it was – and some of that was necessity because of fouls and whatnot, but it just – it felt good to just see not everybody get burned to the ground for once because the Mavs play the Lakers tomorrow night, and then they play the Lakers Saturday, so they're going to need some legs. Well, I'm 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 very worried, Kirk, because <laughs> Maxi he might not be playing tomorrow night, and they're gonna have Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond, uh, Montrez Harrell, and I don't know if Mark Gasol is back from his injury thing or not. But I mean, that's just that's gonna be a front court nightmare. <laughs> it it, it <laughs> could, no, it could be, but you know, I like Tim Hardaway started to break his slump a little bit. Like, there's, I see some, I see some pass for the Mavs. I mean. I have to wake up at like four thirty the next morning, so like I'm gonna be mad regardless tomorrow night. So it's it's really, you know, we, the Mavs might as well win. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But uh, thank you for hanging out. If you want to hang up on yeah. hang out here with me, I'm gonna bring up uh, one of our one of our recurring guests uh, who is just an excellent on the pod, Xavier. What's happening, my man? What's going on, Kirk? Can you guys hear yep, me? Yep, you sound great. Perfect. All right, so, so I have reached out to, to you on Twitter earlier, but something that I kind of wanted to explore was kind of like, um, not necessarily, it's not about tonight's game. There's nothing that we learned in tonight's sure. game that is important moving forward. But more so, something that stuck with me when we were laughing about, you know, us clamoring for Harrison Barnes. And the feedback I got in the chat from you was like, you know, we traded him for cash space, but we didn't use it. But if I remember correctly, I think that's the offseason that, I think our number one priority was Kemba. He ended up choosing Boston over us. And I know that option number two was Danny Green. And I know that we offered him more money than the Lakers, but obviously he thought he had a better chance winning a championship um, with the Lakers. And, you know, he won a ring, so congrats to him. But when you look at the two things that people often say we, we need is, A, a playmaker, and then B, a 3 and D wing. So I think the front office did a good job of identifying the types of players that we needed that offseason. But ultimately, somebody has to agree to take your money. So in retrospect, again, we can say, hey, we didn't spend that cash space on anybody. But have we, you know, that Kemba contract is looking a little funny in the light right now. I don't think Boston could trade him for any sort of assets. And then Danny Green, honestly, I wish I've always been a Danny Green fan. So it would have been nice for him to take our money. But, you know. It was between us and the Lakers, and he chose the Lakers. But I think the front the front office had the right sort of targets in mind that offseason. So, again, I think in retrospect and in hindsight, we can criticize him. But I think if either guy had taken our money, I don't think the fan base would be saying, you know, what we've been saying about, you know, the inactivity that year. Well, what I what I really wanted it more for was anything past the body was just having the salary to move. And because it's not my money to spend, I'm happy to spend Mark Cuban's money. And I feel okay about that. It's, it's, it's a moral plus for me to spend Mark Cuban's money in my mind. And where, where that really frustrated me in the long term was just it, it – we saw that in, in the offseason – or I'm sorry, this trade deadline where Dallas just didn't have much to do. They're really kind of pigeonholed in because they have X amount of contracts and then the guys that they, they could trade – you're really, you know, it's it's six of one or half dozen of the other, and so I, I I do understand that opinion, and I think there's a there's a lot of merit to it. It's just I wish that the Mavericks were associated with like 15 free agents immediately, 
And instead, what we hear is they're zoned in on like three dudes. And then if they miss out on those guys, then it doesn't. Then we get situations like that one where they end up with DeLon Wright and and holding the bag. And that was kind of what what the main pitch was. That's probably the the biggest criticism. And it's, it's hard to be a criticism because, again, we don't know what we don't know. And there could have been discussions. I would like to think that that at a certain point the reporting would have occurred where we would have heard about who else they talked to. But I think the Mavericks tend to kind of view free agency as a little more binary than it is. And that, I think, is is the thing that just drives me nuts. Because, I mean, you know, Bo, who's the Utah Bogdanovich? How do you say his first name, Dalton? I, I always mess him. I get him confused. Probably racist of me to confuse Europeans. Um, but Boyan? No. That sounds right. Whichever. The other Bogdanovich. Um, the, the Mavs like didn't even go after him and he would have been money on this team. So it's like that sort of stuff just drives me nuts. But, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm. And then lastly, before I go, so I guess I'm curious what your thoughts on Timmy are. Cause I feel like Timmy, oftentimes he bails us out, you know, in a lot of games where the offense is stagnant, he'll just step up and he'll hit, you know, some good shots for us. But I imagine he's going to command somewhere around sixteen to eighteen million dollars a year. Do you feel comfortable walking away from him, or do you, at that price, or what are your thoughts on possibly resigning him, or do you think he's more like an option B if we strike out with all the other prominent free agents? However, few might be out there. This is this is tough because I think it was Tyler Adams who sent me a DM today, essentially saying. You know, what if the Heat and the Mavs just sort of switched up their pain-in-the-ass shooters? <laughs> like, the different guys that are available on the free agency market. Like, with Timmy, it's just so, like, like he's just, he's the epitome of sports for me, where I, he, I, I hate him so much when he's awful. And then when he's on, it's just joy. Like, injection of, what the fuck just happened type stuff, because... I mean, the man takes shots and then that are out of this world. And then this year, he he's like dunk contest Tim Hardaway Jr. And I just I, I can't get over some of the athleticism he displays. So it's it's very difficult for me. I will say that they they need to be careful with what they do with him because he is he is a an X factor and very important. And if they were to lose his shooting and not replace it with anybody next year would. Agreed. Well, thanks for hanging out, man. If you want to hang out up here on stage, you're welcome to. Otherwise, I'm going to bring on some more folks. Yeah, I'll be I'll be here. I'll- All right. Coming up next, Matt Phillips. How you doing, Matt? Uh, hey. So I have a random stat for you now. In uh, six games that uh, Christoph Porzingis has at least four assists, we are now six and zero oh, with an Great average margin of, with an average margin of victory of eighteen points a game. Great stat. Pass the ball, KP. Yeah, it, I mean, <laughs> it, it really is. It's kind of random. I was looking it up when it was going. And then also, this was Luca's first 10-rebound game since March 15th, which mm. which I know that seems like not that big a deal for a point guard not to have rebounds in that time. But over those 16 games, he's averaged 6.8 rebounds a game, which given how much we depend on him to rebound is not all that great. Hmm. I'm going to have to send that stat to the crazy Hawks guy who is convinced that Maxi Kleba doesn't get rebounds so Luca can get more. Um, yeah. That's a really interesting one. I I found his rebounding 
his rebound seems to be sort of an engine for him because he pushes faster when he gets the board. When he doesn't, he likes to kind of walk and survey. But there are instances tonight where he just went full bore. And I think we've talked about pace a number of times. I believe as Luca gets in better shape over the years, hopefully he will want to play at a slightly Absolutely. Um, I love it when he runs. Like, I remember specifically the Magic game was the fastest tempo I've seen him play it, where he just looked like he was pushing a lot. I actually felt like he definitely ate his Wheaties today. I mean, obviously, he had the dunk. It scared me to death when they tried to throw the alley-oop to him, and he got fouled, and I thought he was hurt for a minute. But yeah. that's uh, more explosive than he generally plays. Um, it was, I mean, like I said, I'm happy with the win. This is one of the things, like, I know it wasn't the prettiest win or anything, but assuming we play everyone tomorrow, probably not Maxi, but everyone, assuming we play Luca and KP tomorrow and everything, I'm happy. I'm always happy when we win because I think one of our mistakes is we think that we're good enough to worry about style points, and we're just not. Yeah, yeah, they need to notch these ones because I'm looking at the uh, – I've been scoreboard watching while we've been talking, and the Grizzlies are keeping pace with the Clippers. The Nuggets and Trailblazers are tied. I feel good about the Nuggets just because the Trailblazers are uh, are regressing just so. Um, you know, you, you kind of go through the West. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen Joel Embiid's near full court game-tying shot, it's one of the more incredible misses I've seen in my lifetime. Um you know, there's just opportunities for the Mavericks to to notch. And granted, there has been repeatedly throughout the month of April opportunities for them to climb the standings. And we just kind of got to walk away with one of these. They they need to figure out something if they don't want to play in the play in. And and I don't know. I feel I don't feel great, but I, I I'm you know better than being in here and you know just like freaking out over a loss. Oh, absolutely. And one thing too, I will add on the Tim Hardaway Jr. thing. I think he's going to get more money than y'all do. Um, whether yeah, or not keep him is besides that. But one of the things with him that he brings this year more so than last year is really on this team, there are exactly three people who can do anything off the dribble, and they are Luca, yeah. Brunson, and him. Like, we do not have another perimeter player who can do, and, and like, I complain a lot about us not being dynamic and not moving and everything. If If we replaced him, with like if we lose him and just get say I don't think he's free agent but like a facsimile of Wayne Ellington for example or someone else who is mostly a standstill shooter and a moderately decent defender then that's even more of the just give Luca the ball and run pick and rolls and then the three other people stand in their designated spots and just hope that it works and I understand hey, Matt. doing that too. yes sir. Well, no, I actually, I think you bring up a great point. I was going to say, and I think right now I've identified who I would love the Mavs to sign, and I think it's Spencer Dinwoody. I think that if we can get him on a somewhat reasonable contract with him coming off the ACL, he's that type of big-bodied creator off the dribble that I think would be a great compliment to Lucas. So I'm curious what the chat thinks about Spencer Dinwoody. I don't think Lonzo's the creator. I mean, he's a great passer, but not necessarily great at getting his own shot. But then what he's a guy that can run the offense with Lucas on the bench, and he's a he's a good enough 40% three-point shooter to kind of play off ball with Luca at the same time. So I'm curious what you what you think about him. Off the top of my head, Spencer's not a good shooter, is he? Like, he's like a 31, 32. Like, he's like a Josh Richardson shooter. 
uh, Josh like score though, like yeah, no, uh, the, the I, I, off the yeah. dribble type stuff. If if that's what some creativity. Yeah, no, I, I, and remember, like he that. was forced to kind of run that offense for the Nets during those down years when they really stunk. So I don't know if that's a true depiction of what his actual ability as a sh- outside shooter on when he was kind of forced to take ugly shots for that Nets team before they got good. Oh, no, I, I, I like the idea. I like Spencer as a player. One of the issues I have is that I think, I think one of the things is we don't want to have a super small player because we want small people to have to guard Luka. Yeah, create another mismatch. And one of the issues with that is is that the kind of guys like the Delon Wright, your Josh Richardson, people like, and I think Spencer fits in the same basic player archetype. I think he's better than either one of them, but I think it's the same player archetype. I don't think those guys fit as well with Luca in in practice as we think they do in reality. I think that if you're going to have the secondary ball handler with Luca, it needs to be somebody who is who is quicker, like one of the smaller jitterbug type players, like. And I mean, Jalen's not a crazy good athlete, so I don't even think he really counts as one of those. But he's much closer. The guys who are can get the ball and go score. The the big the other big point guards are generally also going to be slow moving, methodical, and things like that. Whereas you just don't have enough time with the ball when you play with Luca to be that kind of secondary player. You need it, to be it, a guy who is super dynamic and quick and catches the ball and goes. And it's pretty much why the big point guards. Goran yeah. Goran Dragic would have, and it's not just because they were countrymen. Like Goran Dragic is the kind of like Chris Paul. Like they're they're just dudes that exist that that fit this. And 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 I, I don't know if there are any on the market. It's tough. They they're really in an interesting position this year. They're gonna have to figure out something and 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 in order to move forward. Well, one of the things I think they can do, and I think they've kind of started to do it a little bit this year. One of the issues with Luca, and um, this is a much bigger topic, is that that we run into is that Luca takes the touches of both an apex wing scorer and of a pure point guard that runs the offense so much, and so that ends up that's why he has so many touches slash time of possession, is because generally you have one person that does one and one person that does the other, mm-hmm. and because he does both. It's like even if you had if he's just a scorer, which when they have Jalen in the game, Luca honestly plays more like a three that is an, an apex wing scorer than he does as a point guard. And so if you think about it too, one of our big issues is that we don't have wings. If you play right. Jalen at point with Luca, then that makes it I mean, it's kind of Robin Peter to pay Paul, but we no longer have a wing issue because if you're starting Luca as a wing, then wing goes from a weakness to a strength. Yep. But but not but he but he's not good enough defensively to where you really want him to be on the wing right. consistently. He get worked. You yeah, want something. Yeah. It's actually you want yeah. them to be capable of either defending threes and twos or physical enough to defend threes and fours. With Luca, you're just hoping to hide him on the you know on the fourth or fifth best player on you know, on the other team. And I think, you know, I, I do agree with what you say. I, I think one thing, you know, people always say, you know, Lucas 21, how could he possibly get better? And obviously we can look at his percentage as a three-point shooter. But I think if he can learn how to cut and play off of somebody and kind of move off ball, I think that's how he takes his game to the next. Well, he can. That's that's the, that's the dirty secret. He didn't do this when he was in Europe. He was the rookie on a team of old dudes and was essentially the Kyrie Irving to LeBron James in the 2016 finals. He was that role. And they they need to find somebody that can 
make the case that he shouldn't have the ball this much. Um, and, and they just haven't done that. And that's what's a little bit uh, – it's, it's just such a challenge because, you know, that was kind of the argument for why they went for Giannis is, is if they had Giannis, Giannis would kind of play the point forward and Luca wouldn't be handling the ball this this much and they'd be able to do this sort of, you know, crazy scary basketball. But I, I just don't know. It, it, he's so – fouls are called differently here. He has more space. He gets to the rim more as much as it doesn't seem like it this year. And so it, it, he he's just so good that now – the Mavericks kind of have a challenge on their hands and saying, all right, how do we get the ball out of your hands to where you don't do this stuff? And Brunson, like when Brunson brings a ball up the floor, the options for Brunson are either he goes and scores himself or he finds Luca at the three point line. Like there's no creativity in the plays. And I'm not sure if that's because Brunson just doesn't really run the stuff. The Mavericks don't have it out yet. Or if it's like, you know, because what Luca wants to do is kind of a paramount and, and, He's got a lot of sway in the organization, and it's it's something that will eventually become more of a story. Yeah, and I mean, you can't. I don't think you can rely on Jalen to consistently beat his man off the dribble. Um, I mean, there's certain types of plays that he thrives against, but those longer, more physical guys, I don't. You know, I think he struggles, so I don't think you can really depend on that. And I saw in the in the chat, Christian said you don't need to hide Luca. I disagree. I think that. In that Spurs game, we saw DeRozan just absolutely abuse him. And I think especially in a playoff setting to where it's more matchup-based, they're going to absolutely target Luka every time down the floor. So in the regular season, I don't think that's an accurate representation of what's going to happen come playoff time when they're going to specifically try to um, expose him. And especially so, having guarding wings, he's going he's to get his lunch ate. On that on that note about Luca's defense, I think Luca has basically reversed. Uh, he has reversed switchability, which is you can put Luca on pretty much the worst player one through four and feel completely fine. Like there are very few power forwards. Luca is incredibly strong. I, there's very few power forwards that I feel really bad about him on. Now I will say this: during the regular season, he's not he's not a particularly good defender. He's basically a young version of old LeBron in that he just conserves energy on defense and he really doesn't play defense most of the time, except for in short bursts when he wants to. But when he wants to, and he showed in the playoffs last year, this and this is going to sound absolutely insane. Luke is a better defender than Dorian Finney-Smith when he wants to be. Like he just is. He's he's so strong. He. I mean, and you I know that sounds... eyebrows off. <laughs> that was a hot but, take. <laughs> I, 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 I like it. No, I like it because Dorian gets beat on single dribble moves all the time. Luca is a chunk, and like, when this... dudes hit him in the chest, he doesn't move. And that's one of the things is I mean, like that really is like I, I said it going into the playoffs last year that if we didn't put Maxi on Kawhi, I really thought our second best defender on Kawhi was Luca. And I, I know how hot of a take it is. I know how ridiculous it sounds. And, and I get why people don't think that. But when you look at guys like that, that aren't super explosive, whatever, like Kawhi's game, for example, is he's just going to get to his spot and overpower most players to get there. And he doesn't overpower Luka. And also one of the things about star power is that people have learned throughout the years, for instance, Tim Duncan learned this, is that star power is actually not just for drawing fouls. You get away with more stuff if you are a star. Like, mm. And yes, I like that. Like, that's one of the things is, and that's one of the reasons why it's such a huge advantage to have a star be a good defender is because when you get to the playoffs, you can, I mean, they can defend more and they get away with a lot. Watch some of the Lakers plays last year and they are like a lot of their 
and one of the big things is is the difference between great physical defense and stupid touch fouls is whether or not it gets called. I mean, that's just true. Yeah, like, you, watch, you watch Andre Iguodala in his peak Golden State years, he committed twenty five fouls a game. And sure, didn't get called. Who's Who's the dude from Memphis that just rode Luca like he was a friggin' Dylan bicycle? Brooks. Bro, Brooks does the same stuff. Just yeah. he's so yeah. good with his body and his feet that the 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 refs don't know what to call because. You know, he fouls so often, but he's just so consistent with how he plays. <laughs> yeah, so. and that's one of the things. I mean, it's Kirk Heinrich used to be on the Bulls. If you watch the Bulls back in the Kirk Heinrich era, like, he fouled on every play. And they were big proponents of, I mean, it's one of the things they teach you when you're little, is if you foul on every position, they can't call all of them. I mean, because yeah, at did. some point, and I mean, I don't want to go too far off into the rest because I complain about them enough. But I really do think, I, I'm not concerned about Luke, and that's one of the things that I was excited about, about watching them in the playoffs last year. Is and I mean like he had a few breakdowns and you're going to but for the most part he's not a defensive negative when he wants to be in the playoffs and he's shown in short stretches like even in the fourth quarter against the Grizzlies the other, or not against the Grizzlies against uh yes no there have been multiple instances I know what you're talking yeah. about because he he blocked John Morant yeah sort of saved the game he just he's good at staying in front of people when he's really really focused but. He's just not in good enough cardio shape to be able to do it for, you know, 30 minutes. Yeah, 32. and he very – I think he very clearly has made up his mind. There are times when he's like, I'm just not going to play that hard right now. He's like, my offense is going to be, I'm going to shoot some step-back jumpers. My my defense is going to be, I'm going to kind of stand here and turn around and, you know, just look around and be like, hey, why didn't you block this shot behind me? But we've seen it in short spurts when he wants to. He's a very good lateral athlete. Like, P3 had one of the things about that with the stopping – and all mm-hmm. of that, like he moves when he wants to. He's not super athletic vertically, but he's more athletic vertically than people think. And sure. he's just a giant wing. He's super yeah. strong. And so, good, good team kinda... defender as well. If you notice, yeah. he's a lot better at making the right rotations. Um, so he's a he improves the overall team defense. So I agree. And a lot of that is just effort. I think it's just understanding yeah. the game and effort, and actually wanting to close out on shooters, wanting to rotate. You know, to the um, to the to the appropriate guy. So I agree. I I think he's he's passable. I wouldn't say he's a net positive. I just say he's not a net negative. I think yeah. he's you know he's not he's not a Trey Young level defender. And of course, as he gets the stamina up to where you know he can share the workload on offense, I think you'll see him more willing to kind of you know hanker down and, on yeah. and you know yeah and. And one of the things with that is because of his verse, like I said, he's he's basically reverse versatile. Like you know, young LeBron could guard all five positions and yada yada all that. Like it's not that you want Luca. You're just saying, hey, we're putting him on the best score anywhere. But there's any game, like in any one possession or two possession thing, there's no one that you see and you're just like, oh, this is a five alarm fire. We've got to get him off of this person. Like because sure. he gets matched up on bad stuff, and but he's enough in the middle that. Even when he gets on big guys, like I remember a few possessions against Portland where he's on Canner, who and he boxed out Canner, who's one of the strongest offensive rebounders in the league. I mean, he just boxed him out, and we have no one else on our team that can do that. Well, for something that stands out and will always stand out was when uh, Oklahoma City went and played Real Madrid, and he was 16, and Luca wanted to guard Westbrook. There's there's something there in like the what you want to do and and you know may, he'll take more pride in it as he gets older 
Um, one thing he really needs to take more pride in is the damn haircuts he gets. Uh, the game has started again on, on TV, and I'm looking at this man's haircut, and he needs help. KP takes <laughs> enough pride in his haircuts for both of them. They're well, good. I mean, I mean, KP's haircut's different. Like, like he, uh, uh, what was the movie where the dude, uh, KP looks like a villain out of a 1950s boarding school movie where like, what's the one where the dudes stand on the desks at the end of the, at the end of it? Oh, captain, my captain, like uh, yeah, KP's hair yeah. just kills me. I don't, I don't know what, what's happening there, Look, but, I, um, it, but he looks kind of Nazi. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to say what, it, but he does. What's that it's movie with, uh, with Brad Pitt? He looks like yes. that. Oh, God. And Glorious Bastards. Thank you. Correct. That's, yeah. And then, and like, then Glorious Bastards. Yes. Yeah. It, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I need to know what Lucas' stats are when he's wearing, like, neon shoes because he just looked faster tonight. But, okay, we've been rambling for a while. I'm going to bring on a couple more folks if you guys don't mind. Thanks for hanging out. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Um, coming up next. We have Mark, who's been waiting forever. Hi, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Hit that unmute button if you're still here. That's okay, Mark. Uh, try to come back up in a little bit, and I will invite you back on. All right, uh, coming up next, Jordan, what do you got? Hey, uh, so first things first, I desperately need more uh, Luca. Or not Luca and uh, JJ Reddick. Yeah. But I need uh, more KP and JJ Reddick minutes. Okay. Because those actions, uh, you could just see, like, the Pistons were, like, wetting their pants on defense every time they would do a handoff. Because they had no clue what was going to happen. And so I need more of those minutes. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, obviously Luca out there, too, helps. It's just way much more fun to watch Luca pass to JJ Reddick than uh, Wesson do. Sure. So, uh, but I, I think that if we have uh, Reddick and KP together, I think that's going to be a pretty good way to get both of them going offensively. I wonder if they're holding back on the Reddick minutes. I, I, Carlisle is just such a, I've mentioned this before, but I'm, I'm like a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I'm, I'm pretty certain that, that Carlisle does this, this whole Milton Burl act of, of just the tip, and, and I'm way too old. I'm, no, nobody in this chat gets that reference, except for probably uh, Doug. But it, it's, it's just so – the Mavericks, like, hold things back. And, and I think Reddick – I mean, I'm at the point, and, and I know Isaac Harris has said this too on Locked on Mavs. I'm at the point where Reddick should start. Like, even if he only plays Agreed. 15 minutes, he just gives a dynamic. Like, there was a one late – Second, it was the first half. It was a pick and roll though, where where Porzingis you know dives and actually rolls to the hoop for once in his life, and Luca passes through to the far side for Richardson, who clanged a three. And I'm of the opinion if the far side on that is JJ Redick as opposed to Richardson, then KP gets a free dunk. And because right now yes. he's just like, like KP's just covered by two dudes, and and Richardson's terrible. So I don't understand some of this. I totally agree. Um, I was also uh, had a friend of mine post that at the uh, two thirds of the season mark. So that was the 13th that Dorian Finney Smith was exactly average for all scorers across uh, across the league. He was exactly average. Well, since then, we've had four games and his true shooting percentage since uh, he was told he was average 
is now uh, 69.7% true shooting. That seems good. So uh, I feel like we should keep telling him that he is now above average, so he should just keep going. I mean, his offensive play, like his defense has slipped a little bit, but he's countered it by being like bananas on offense. I, yeah, I, that's pretty fantastic. I'm really delighted. Um, as far as first quarters go, this is one of the things that confuses me. Uh, sure. How has Rick Carlisle not killed someone? Like, I get so frustrated watching it, and I know how, like, just the way that he treated, like, even Dennis Smith when he would do dumb things. Like, I'm just surprised that Richardson keeps getting minutes. Sure. I, 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 I don't get understand it. it. I, I, there's some. There's got to be some notion of like helping a guy play play through a slump. But what if your slump is now fit like 57 games or whatever the heck the Mavericks are at? Like I don't get it. It's nuts. Yeah, I've I've never seen him have this long of a leash with anyone. Like even it feels like this is a longer leash than he had for Wes Matthews. And Wes Matthews mm-hmm. was at least playing better defense than Richardson. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't get it either. It's got to be something political, Pat, or something in the sense of they just want him to try to figure it out. Because if, if we all remember the preseason, I mean, he looked great. He looked great. Yes. And it's just been downhill ever since. Mm-hmm. So, well, thanks for coming up, Jordan. You got anything else? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right, man. Appreciate you. Have a good night. You too. All right. Coming up next, Christian. Christian, what's happening? Hey, what's up, Kirk? How you doing? Oh, I'm tired. I should go soon. But that's okay. We'll hang out. Yeah. I mean, it's only 9.21 here, and I'm tired, so, you know, I feel for you. But uh, I was going to say, you know, overall, you know, it's not a not a game I'm jumping for joy about other than the win. Uh, did some better things, I think. You know, the defense has been atrocious and playing more zone, I think, uh could largely be beneficial. Um, but I think, you know, it's clear that this team just isn't good enough to really uh, make noise in the playoffs. Um, so I I think really, you know, the options have really shrunk on uh, free agency. And sure. this front office really, really needs to, you know, be thinking for quite some time, but especially now, uh, especially with the date set, how they're going to be creative in ultimately bringing some real talent in here. And, you know, I think I, I have a fear, not that it wouldn't benefit the team. You know, we'd get better if we're able to bring just like, you know, three really good solid uh, players like a McDermott, McConnell, like some of these, you know, more rotation kind of guys. But I hope we can figure out a way to get a sign-in trade in place for someone like either Collins or Lonzo or, you know, even just signing DeRozan outright. Um, But like a third piece where it's like, I mean, I guess you can exclude Lonzo to an extent, but just, you know, you're going to get at least like 18 points a game from that person. Right. And I think we need to take some of that pressure off. And I think, you know, what you guys were just talking about right now uh, with JJ being in the lineup with both Luca and KP, like you can see when Reddick, you know, is running around on the offensive end, like people are flying, trying to catch up to him. 
trying to double him on the pick and rolls or trap him right there. But I just think you add Luca and KP uh, on the court with him and do that, you can really uh, spark the offense in a way just by kind of creating some confusion and some open looks. So I certainly hope we do that. Like this wasn't even a horrible game uh, from Josh Richardson. I, we've suffered through enough of those sure. already. But I, you know, we just have to do something different uh, with this starting lineup. And I don't think I was hoping for Dwight Powell to be in over, you know, Josh Richardson being out. Right. Well, we'll see what they do. I, I I'm still somewhat convinced that the right playing basketball well at the right time is just more important than like the big picture stuff. And let's say they're a seven or a six seed and they play whoever is at the two or the three seed and they go in and they surprise with a win. Like basketball is just such a confidence game. And Luka Doncic is the ultimate terrifying X factor. Like guys don't want to play against him. And like he, him and Dame, LeBron, like there's just very few guys that are on that list of, of, of absolute stone cold killers that guys don't want to run into. I'd love to put like Jokic and, and Embiid up there, but big guys just have a different sort of level since they don't get, they don't, you know, the ball is not necessarily theirs all the time. But I like the thoughts, man. You got anything else for you head on out? Uh, no, I mean, I, I agree. And to be honest, like obviously more than anything, I want the Mavs out of the play in. And, you know, I'd be able to enjoy the playing a bit more just because I'm not worrying that we can get knocked out, especially with how we've been playing lately. But I also think a game against, you know, if the Warriors come up to eighth and the war, uh, the Blazers fall down to seventh, who wouldn't want to see a game uh, between Dame and Steph? And then hopefully the ninth and tenth seeds could be uh, Memphis and the Pelicans, so we get to sure. see the two youngsters. I just think that would be a lot of fun and a lot of relief on our end, knowing we don't have to play in that stupid playing tournament. But appreciate we'll see, you. man. We'll see. Yeah, as always, and you know, as of as of this uh, very moment, the, the it's been a few minutes, but the Nuggets escaped against the Blazers, beating them one hundred six to one hundred five. So now the Mavs are a half game out of. Uh, Half game out of 500, uh, or not 500, half game out of six. All right, last guy to bring up is a friend of the program, Doug. Doug, what's happening? Hey, Kirk. How you doing? I'm uh, I'm doing good. You know, this is the kind of win you, you go, there's nothing too terribly impressive, but uh, it's just good to be back on the W side. And uh, so for that, uh, it's, you know, that's it's good leading into the the games against the Lakers. Um, yep. You know, I think one of the things that I I still I'm I'm still wondering, and you and you know, there's just the mention of you know starting JJ. I don't think that Rick is going to do that, but I I, I the unfortunate thing is I think that might be the best move to unlock some things uh, with that starting lineup. Yeah. Um, and and unfortunately, uh, you're also not going to. Um, do you know, you're probably not going to put Brunson in there just because of the you know how the roster is constructed, um, and so there there are just so many just obstacles in the way of all that. But uh, 
I, I really wish that uh, the the possibility would be that JJ would be able to to start because I do think that there's there's definitely some things that would happen there. Now, Carlisle loves his gamemanship so much that it wouldn't shock me if he'd bust that out at like game one of the playoffs or something. Uh, Matt earlier was talking about Carlisle's. What was it, Matt? One of y'all were talking about Carlisle's kind of sticking to to a, a lineup this year, which is not what he did last year. Maybe that was Josh on our podcast earlier. This is a problem with talking to like 35 people all night long. I forget who says what. But but Carlisle really, you know, he stuck to lineups this year, and I'm not sure he he, he hasn't really he, – he, last year he didn't do that at all. So it's just – he it strikes me as the kind of thing where it's like, oh, we're going to do that now. Deal with it and, and see what happens. So we'll see. Well, I definitely think that he has stuck with Richardson, you know, to the point you have to believe that he is he's taking the approach of trying to let him play through it. Um, thousand percent. And and the other part is that if you move him out of that, then what are what are your combinations in, on as far as in that second unit or later in the game? And so it just kind of there there's just such a weird dynamic with the 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 roster and the rotations that almost almost restrict some of that movement that should be very natural. I mean, I, right. I'd, lo- I'd love to see um, Brunson play more with Luca, but it, it just mm-hmm. makes more sense uh, for a lot of their minutes to be split apart and, th- and then, you know, put them back together. seems like they, they're doing a whole lot in the fourth quarter, but they're not playing a whole lot in the first three. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, uh, I don't know. They get a, uh, I sometimes maybe over assume of what what's going on with Carlisle, but we'll see. I mean, they just the roster has just such limitations that by f- solving one problem, they often create two more, and that's sort of the thing that you have to avoid. You know, with a team that's built on paper, they they look a lot better than they are, but basketball is not played under ideal circumstances. And you know, we're we're going to see that tomorrow night against the Lakers as as the Mavericks, you know, go against them with probably a limited amount of front court guys. And, and I bet. Kate, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say, and and as much as uh, you know, I love the fact that that Dorian can fill some different roles, but not having a really solid three is is definitely something that that hurts the Mavs. I mean, if you had a Dylan Brooks, if you had a Mikhail Bridges, if you had any of those types of players at the three, boy, you talk about changing things. Uh, and that's, that's, I, I don't know that there's anybody out there that they can get in free agency, but boy, I would love for, for that position to get a serious upgrade. Uh, yeah, well, and we're going to see about all that in a hurry because as, as anybody who's paid attention to the calendar kind of notes, the, uh, that stuff starts happening real quick. You know, we'll have a – I'm just exhausted. I took over this 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 wonderful, hilarious blog uh, like four days before the president decided to, like, tell everybody we're shutting down for a while. And then <laughs> basketball. And then, like, now basketball's come back. It's like – I feel like we're going to have, like, three seasons in, like, two years. So it's – because, the, the, like, they'll go back to a normal playing schedule next year. But nice part about that is we'll actually get some time off because I don't really think that they're – you know, this might be the last two-day break we have. There's just games all the time. So yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out. You got anything else? No, that's it. Go go ahead and go to bed, Kirk. You 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 you've more than put in your time. Oh, I got another hour. I mean, my my wife just 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 <laughs> subtweeted me on Twitter where where she's showing Luca's girlfriend is asking for another dog, and and she just said Luca's girlfriend and I are in the same boat because she hasn't gotten a new dog in seven years. Well, it's because <laughs> our dog is a. You guys have seen my dog. He's 
He's a friggin' uh, dire wolf. I can't have another one of those. Oh, my. <laughs> All right, folks. This has been fun. Josh and I will be back. No, never mind. I'm doing uh, a post-game pod tomorrow night with Harrison Fagan of Silver Screen and Roll, and then we'll probably do one of these uh, again just because I'm a madman and I like talking to you guys. Uh, so expect that notification a little earlier, uh, or at least I hope that it'll be a little earlier, but we'll hang out again. Uh, so enjoy, I guess tomorrow's Thursday and then we will, uh, we'll hang out tomorrow night. Everybody, uh, thanks for, uh, hanging out as always. Be good.